Welcome to another Lockdown Podcast Network edition of Crossover Thursday. Um, look, for me, these have always not been the greatest episodes. And maybe for my man here, Q from Lockdown Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. Hopefully I say it right every time. <laughs> um, it's not probably always been the best for him. But now we're both in a situation where both teams are looking more promising. Both teams are putting out a better product week in, week out. So we kind of like get to slide in to these crossover episodes, feel a little bit better about ourselves, about the product, about the team. And we're going to do that today. Today's Locked On Crossover Edition, Cleveland Browns and Las Vegas Raiders is brought to you by the fine folks over at Pepsi. And look, this year, Pepsi has made an emphasis to be part of the football watching community. Um, so for, you know, like myself, look, I tell you guys all the time, I like my quick 12 ounces, my jolt before kickoff game day. And then, of course, all the activities that we have to go take us through this. So uh, Pepsi is part of the League of Football Watchers. Go to theleagueoffootballwatchers.com. Check it out and everything. We appreciate the fine folks over at Pepsi for all they're doing for us here at the Locked On Network. You know the drill on, on crossovers. We'll do you know segment on each team. We'll start with the Raiders. We'll talk with the Browns. Then we'll do game thoughts and predictions to close it out. With Q, didn't really know him. Initial uh, twenty eighteen. This was coming right off the Browns' first win. Baker went in. They beat the Jets. Went out to play the Raiders. Um, Should have won the game. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> um, they ended up you know Q Jacksoning it and finding a way to absolutely you know foobar the entire time. But Q, look, like we've been talking about here, um, you know, there's there's certainly some changes, you know, within the AFC, within the AFC, in the NFC, within the NFL, of teams that you know are are starting to take a mark. And I think you know, for the Browns at five and two, obviously, but for you guys, like you will go into Kansas City, and for basically the last you know, 25, 28 minutes of that game, it wasn't close. Raiders went in there. Did their thing. You see the teeth and the depth on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the wide receiver unit, there's like a like an understanding of it, you know, like the, what the concept of how it's made. You talk about a tight end and Waller. Josh Jacobs, even though he's not capable of, you know, the yards per carry is a little bit lower than normal. Derek Carr completing 72% of his passes. Talk a little bit about this Raiders offense. The Raiders offense is is looking really good, man. It's year three under John Gruden. Derek Carr has a really good concept of what he wants to do, and he's got weapons, like you mentioned. Uh, Darren Waller, obviously a big-time playmaker at the tight end position. He's basically a wide receiver in a tight end's body, uh, just doing a really good job of uh, you know doing what he's got to do, you know, catching the ball and, and picking up yards afterwards, catching crucial passes as well, you know, getting uh, first downs when need be. Henry Ruggs was the first-round draft pick. He's the speedster, so uh, the Raiders haven't got him the ball as much as they'd like to but uh, anytime he has the ball in his hands good things happen you mentioned the, the Kansas City game and uh, he was able to get down the field multiple times in that game he was able to get his hands on the ball that multiple times that game and make some things happen and obviously the Raiders are coming off that loss to Tampa Bay he only got the three targets in that game but you can see that the Raiders want to get him the ball so if he gets going Josh Jacobs gets going if the offensive line is intact which it hasn't been intact uh, basically outside of three plays it hasn't been fully intact all season long Trent Brown's been missing Richie and Cognito's been missing. Last week, it was, a, you know, like a hodgepodge. It was all kind of guys coming in. Right tackle uh, got replaced multiple times. But 
Uh, either way, the, the offensive line is still a pretty good unit, even if they are a little bit banged up. But, uh, you know, if Trent Brown gets back out there this week, which I kind of feel like is trending in the right direction, he will. Uh, that just opens up that run game. And like I, those weapons I mentioned, if those weapons can get going uh, and Josh Jacobs can get going, it just they kind of work hand in hand. You know, one, sometimes the, the run game opens up the passing game and other times the passing game opens up the run game. But the weapons are there. The offense, uh, is, you know, around top 10, top 11 in the league. So I feel like they have a puncher's chance with anybody. They just got to get going and get cooking early on, stay in front of the chains. That's the most important thing for the Raiders moving forward offensively. All right, the state of the offensive line right now, and obviously, you know, uh, the Raiders had their their COVID scare last week. Uh, everything all right? Is everything kind of panned out and, you know, pretty much you're going to be able to play the guys you want to play? Yeah, I think so. Trent Brown is the one guy. He was the one who was on the COVID-19 reserve list. Uh, he looks like I said, he's trending in the right direction. I think he's going to be uh, back in the facility on Friday, and he's not really a guy that needs too much practice. I mean, he's a right tackle. He knows what he's doing. He just gets out there and, and uh, you know, puts his best foot forward and does his blocking. And and the Raiders' offensive line is a much better unit when he's out there. Um, so that that should be pretty solid. Uh, the, the rest of the offensive line was back last week, but then, you know, got a couple guys banged up and injured, so uh, they had to leave the game. Uh, and then Jonathan Abram on the defensive side of the ball because he was around Trent Brown on Tuesday of last week. He actually missed that game on Sunday against the Buccaneers, and that's that was major, man. That was a major factor in the game. Uh, he's, he's really needed defensively, even though he's only a second-year guy and he's still learning. Uh, you could tell that he's the energy. He's the heart and soul of that defense right now. So him missing that game was bad, but he's back. So it looks like at least it's trending, again, in the right direction as far as everything COVID-19 related. It looks like they're getting that out of the way, and they're heading in the right direction. So they should be close to full strength on Sunday against the Browns. Okay, well, I mean, you know, I appreciate the honesty. Maybe not the best answer I was looking for. I mean, if these guys <laughs> need another week, by all means, man, just take the extra week. Uh, another thing, we'll shift it over the defensive side of the ball here. Um, I like Abram, and the thing I like about him is he's got a little bit more of an old school, like an 80s, 90s to him. Like, yeah. like guys nowadays, they are more like they, they don't have this just genuine disregard for their own body. Right. Um, and Jonathan Abram, who's just cut from that cloth, I, I am going to hit you. I'm going to hit you hard. Even if it's a detriment to me, I am going to blast you. Um, one stat I did see today, and this is maybe you know probably a cause for alarm. And look, Rome is not built in a day. I cover the Browns. You cover the Raiders. If anybody knows the way about roster construction, we know. Um, Miles Garrett currently has nine sacks. Yep. The Las Vegas Raiders as a whole have seven. Look, Max Crosby, nice player. Um, and obviously, you know what was you know spent on um, you know the, the high pre, uh, pick that was put on the other D end. Is it time to maybe? expecting maybe a little bit more from this Raiders defensive line as far as pass rush because seven through this amount of games, I, I think you guys are probably hoping for a little bit more. And while you're still having a secondary and learn on the flux here, you're kind of hoping probably for a little bit more pass rush now. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. That's been the theme really all week long of uh, multiple shows and just any kind of talk when it comes to the Raiders is the defense. Where is the defense? Where is the pass rush? Last week against the Buccaneers, Tom Brady dropped back 43 times and got hit one time. Not sacked, but hit one time. And, yeah, that nine sacks for Garrett and only seven for the Raiders as a whole team, I mean, that's embarrassing, you know. And uh, the Raiders made a move in the offseason. They went and brought Rob Marinelli in. Uh, he was the former Dallas Cowboy defensive line coach, worked with John Gruden when they won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. He was supposed to get these guys on the defensive line to really buy in and and be a little bit better, even a lot better, matter of fact, than they were even a year ago where they started to show some improvement. Uh, Max Crosby, like you mentioned, he had 10 sacks his rookie year. He's got four so far, and, and that's nice, but that's 
not really that great. I mean, that's okay. And, and he's basically the only one that's getting it done, you know. So, uh, yeah, man, this defensive line really uh, is struggling. John Gruden has said multiple times this week that they're going to change some things up, change some scheme, change some personnel. So we'll see what that means. I don't exactly know the definition of what that exactly means. It, it could be as uh, easy as coach speak, or it could be, hey, they're going to get some guys in there that they feel a little bit hungrier that could do a little bit more work. One guy who's been underwhelming for uh, the whole season is Malik Collins. He was a guy who came over from the Cowboys as well. And John Gruden, Paul Gunther, they both said he is going to be the key to the Raiders' defense this year. Well, he hasn't done anything on the defensive line. Absolutely nothing. I don't even think he should be on the field. He's so He's been so bad. So if that's the key to the defense, then that shows you why they're struggling. So uh, I've been talking about it all week long that it just might end up boiling down to being one of these teams where – you just got to win shootouts. You know, you just got to go ahead and hope you got the ball last and score as many points as you can. Basically, almost like a basketball game on grass. You know, you just got to go ahead and, and go balls to the wall, make it happen. And so we'll see. We'll see if the defense does uh, turn the corner a little bit this week against Cleveland. Uh, John Gruden said it's going to, said they have to get better defensively. But honestly, man, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, and I haven't seen it yet. Um, and look, I mean, <laughs> if anything, you know, you see where your defensive ranking, ranking is as far as points given up. Um, obviously the same thing over here at Cleveland. Um, and look, I mean, and again, look, you can't just look not everything's going to come at once. Some of it's going to take some time. Q, in your opinion, Raider player that maybe deserves to be talked about a little bit more as far as whether it's the Raiders, whether it's the a AFC West, whether it's the AFC, whether it's the NFL was one player, uh, Las Vegas Raider wise, who's probably not getting attention that maybe he deserves. Um, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's really funny because this guy gets talked about all the time, but normally he gets talked about in a negative way, and that's quarterback Derek Carr. Uh, you mentioned his his stats, and you mentioned the, you know his completion percentage, but most of the time when people talk about Derek Carr, people say, hey, uh, he's not the guy, or Derek Carr stinks, he needs to go, he needs a new quarterback, he's just checking the ball down. Derek Carr is quietly having a really, really good season. He's stretching the field, not saying he's completing every deep ball, but you see he's taking those shots. Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, that's one guy. Uh, Nelson Aguilar has been amazing. You know, he's been, uh, he's been really doing a really good job uh, just being able to, uh, you know, have a second life now, now that he's not in Philadelphia. So uh, I guess Nelson Aguilar would be one guy. And, and like I said, Derek Carr, I think, would be another. It's, it's, it's funny the way to see, you know, these teams and the way things come around and, and come about. And, and this is the thing when your teams start to have a little bit of success. Um, and for years we tried to cover these teams when they weren't very good, and it was like, hey, this guy's playing pretty well, but, yeah, my team's three and six. Nobody's going to talk about it. Right. But now it's because you play well. Yeah, everybody wants to talk about the top four or five guys. They don't necessarily want to talk about, you know, the you know the lesser guys and, look, role players, and this is, you know, what becomes the key of everything with this as far as, you know, having success. You want development and you want production from everybody. And, you know, as both teams start to grow and start to become more competitive, you're seeing this on both sides of the ball here, Raider wise. Brown, roll on through here. We're going to talk a little Browns. We'll talk about our thoughts on the game on Sunday. Uh, your host of Lockdown Browns, Jeff Lloyd Q, does a fantastic job over um, with a Lockdown Raiders podcast. Uh, obviously, transitioning here, you know, to Las Vegas and really hasn't gotten too. Um, experience it all yet with you know the way covid and the restrictions here yeah big beautiful stadium and sadly no yet rockauto.com one thing in the key about rockauto.com and this is where it's key with everything that's going on with the way the world is right now 
is they are a company that is conducive and perfect for people who are trying to save money and learning how to do things themselves through YouTube tutorials, things of that nature. You can buy your auto parts from rockauto.com. You can pay the same price as manufacturers. Don't get ripped off. Learn how to do this stuff yourself. Some of it's easy, changing some screws, pulling a filter out. This is where rockauto.com comes in. Put in your essentials. Put in your vehicle. Get the parts you need. They have an expansive catalog. The part will show up at your door. All you've got to do, YouTube tutorial. If you got a drill, you got a screwdriver. Most of these simple maintenance things you can do. Oil filters, change oil, carpet for your car. Simple stuff. Rock has it all. When you are on the website, go to the How Did You Hear About Us box. Type in Locked On, all caps, no space, and let them know that uh, you found rockauto.com through us. All the car parts your car or truck will ever need, the fine folks, over at rockauto.com. Here we are back on the Locked On Raiders podcast, back on Locked On Browns podcast as we're doing Crossover Thursday here uh, with Jeff Lloyd, host of Locked On Browns. I'm your boy Q, host of Locked On Raiders, and we talked all things silver and black in segment number one. And Jeff, it's uh, it's my time to talk a little brownies, talk a little Cleveland Browns who are looking pretty good on the season right now, five and two, dealing with some challenges here and there, but looks like they're finding ways to overcome those challenges. And one of them was uh, uh, losing a big time player on Sunday when the uh, Odell Beckham Jr. goes down early in the game and the Browns find a way to beat Cincinnati in what was pretty much a shootout. But just uh, just right there, man, Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with that torn ACL. What does that mean for the Cleveland Browns moving forward? Um, look, it, it's a difficult loss. And and for me personally, look, he Odell is one of my favorite players in the NFL. Um, and, you know, having him come over here from the Giants as I'm hosting this, you know, covering the Cleveland Browns, it was just this exciting, this awesome just to have. Um, but then you see an injury like this and the play itself was so old school Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, Baker through the interception, you're starting centers down, Odell's down. And it was just like, you know, a rip your hair out moment. But what came of this moment was Baker Mayfield. Everybody's had success, you know, in, at times this year for the Browns, Miles Garrett, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, everybody's kind of had their moments, even Odell against Dallas. The one who never really had a moment or a game was Baker Mayfield. And even that first quarter, 0 for 5 with an interception. And it was kind of a rally the troops moment. And the only way you're going to do that is through your quarterback. And Baker, the one thing after Odell went down is, look, 2019 was a little foggy. 2020 has been a little foggy. But his rookie year, Baker Mayfield took his drop found the open man, and delivered it. It didn't matter if you were wide receiver one, wide receiver six, tight, tight end one, tight end four. It didn't matter who you are. And so while it said, you know, and look, it's, it's obviously a lot's going to be determined here as we go on further. The question is going to be is, you know, is Baker, without having that true number one talent, is it maybe better for him? And we'll see. Look, there's going to be times where this team is going to Odell a ton. There's no way around it. But they have deep, deep skill positions. Look, they didn't have Austin Hooper Sunday. And they still got three tight, three touchdowns. They are deep at the skill positions. Maybe this simplifies things for Baker a little bit, where you don't have to say, you know, in the old Randy ratio back in the day with Randy Moss, like, look, you got a horse, man. You want to make sure you're feeding them. Right now, you don't have the horse, essentially. 
So does it maybe slow things down and get Baker away from trying to make sure and, you know, I'm not missing Odell uh, on a certain play because I know what he can do. And obviously any time he can take one of the house, 65, 70 yards, um, there's going to be times where you're going to miss him, though. There's going to be teams with really good defenses where they're going to say, we're going to take two guys and take Odell away. But what happens when they don't have to do that? That's going to be something different that they're going to have to go through. Um, obviously, a lot to be determined on that. But look, Rashard Higgins had had two touchdowns going into last week's game, six for 110. Donovan Peoples-Jones, maybe this is a little bit earlier than they wanted to play him, but the athletic profile is there. Um, you know, he's just he's now the biggest wide receiver they have. He's now the most athletic wide receiver they have. They're going to play it out and see what happens. There's going to be times you're going to miss Odell, but maybe it isn't as catastrophic as some people want to think it is. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, that is one of the conversations that I've been hearing going on nationally is, you know, is Baker better without Odell? And it's hard to hard to even think that any quarterback would be better without that dynamic wide receiver. But the way you broke it down, you know, uh, makes a lot of sense. And it kind of gives a gives a little bit of fuel to the argument, at least. But uh, if there's a question, if a certain quarterback is is not as good with a big time wide receiver, when do we start looking at the quarterback? Like maybe he's not really the guy that we all thought he was. Is there any questions about Baker Mayfield being the guy in Cleveland, or is it a no doubter that he's the guy? For me, I, I'm I'm not I, I'm not planting a flag either way on this. Okay. Yet. Um, and look, and the other thing is with the mistakes and some of the interceptions, this team is still five and two. So right. I mean, I don't know how you look at this, and with a new head coach, a new system, with everything that went on with COVID. How do you say, all right, well, you know, we need a new quarterback next year. Do you maybe explore having a stronger second option? They have Case Keenum here. He knows this offense pretty well. Right. Um, it's not really been a thought other than Pittsburgh. And look, I, I don't want to use the injury as an excuse. He didn't play well. Nobody played well. Nobody played well in Pittsburgh. Nobody did. So, yes, while he wasn't there with banged up ribs, maybe getting him out was the best idea. But I do believe when you get to the second half of the season, you're going to view this Baltimore game the second time you're going to view this Steeler game the second time and they're going to carry a lot of weight there's no doubt about it but I don't think there's a decision to be made either way yet on Baker Mayfield just due to the fact that look you've got to base this on seven games right. that's it whatever's going on with the Browns right now they're not basing it on 19 they're not basing it on 18 he's been the quarterback for seven games they are five and two they this is completely unaccustomed to them <laughs> to be like this to be winning like this and where they're at Home game on Sunday could be six and two headed into the bye. I think everybody wants to just jump to that. And then, of course, now because and everybody gets so star filled, you know, and especially with Odell Bell. Oh, well, let's go get Adam Thielen. No, let's go get Amari Cooper. I mean, like everybody just wants to jump to like the no, this team tried to build a strong 53. So, God forbid, if somebody got hurt, they were able to, you know, cover it. And I think they feel they're okay. There could be some simple moves, simple tweaks, somebody brought in, whatever. I don't think it's going to be anything major at the wide receiver position. But I think everybody wants to talk about that with Baker Mayfield. They're not understanding the fact that this is a brand new regime and they're viewing Baker Maker, Baker Mayfield as a five and two quarterback right now. Granted, not perfect. Right. And yes, he did beat up on the Bengals. And look, and everybody doesn't want to count that. They play the Bengals twice a year. Right. He better beat up on the Bengals. If it's two easy wins, you better get it. Yes, he's 5-1 and one against the Bengals in his career. 
I don't understand why that's a bad thing, but some people want to use that as a detriment to Baker Mayfield, which I will never understand. No, no. I mean, hey, you beat whoever's on your schedule. You play whoever's on your schedule. If you got them twice, beat them twice, play them twice, it's all good. Uh, That's not a bad thing. And, again, that division that the Browns are in, uh, the AFC North, man, that's a tough one. You know, three out of the four teams are really good, and Joe Burrow looks like he's going to be a real deal player. So Cincinnati at some point is going to get good. Outstanding. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a four dog race at some point in that division. But right now, Cleveland, like you said, hanging tight, uh, five and two, looking really good. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, you mentioned him. Obviously, he's a rookie head coach. Had a no off season really, uh, no, hardly any training camp. This whole COVID nineteen's been squirrely. But uh, what have you seen in a small sample size? Obviously, that Kevin Stefanski has brought to the table. What he d- brings to the table as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns that obviously they didn't have in the previous regimes. He's the same person every day. And this is the most refreshing thing. It's, it's, there's never highs, there's never lows. And even, you know, the Browns had their, and it was Sunday and all, it was a, the last, one of the last Sundays in August. The Browns had their little COVID scare of a whole bunch of, you know, false positives. Coach Stefanski was one of those guys. And the way he spoke the next day, and, you know, and look, media is always dumb. Were you scared thinking maybe you have COVID? I got three kids. Yeah, maybe I was pretty scared that maybe I have COVID. Um, but, you know, and like just the way he talks about it and comes in every day and just the way he talks. And I think one of the biggest things and, you know, and look, with Coach Stefanski being the age he is, obviously he's, you know, very into and having three young children. He's very into the world and wanting everything to be balanced and everybody to be treated fairly and equally. And when he went to his players and said, look, you all can speak up on whatever you want to speak up on. I want you to use your platform. I want you to use your voice. And I think that was a big selling point to this team. And I don't believe it was like coach bravado. He truly believes this. And, you know, he wants, you know, he's been around athletes his entire life, a former athlete, his father, obviously part of the Detroit Pistons. He's been around sports his entire life. He knows the key to it is to have everybody in that locker room, understanding that everybody respects and believes in each other. And I think the other thing, where he's really, really been together is his game day. Freddie Kitchens last year, I mean, would get caught up with the officials, would get caught up with replay officials. Well, can we review that? No, we told you we can't review that. <laughs> well, if I throw a flag, can we review that? Meanwhile, you got people on the field, oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Coach Stefanski, look, good or bad, whatever play happens, he is there, play sheet in hand. And, and this is one of the funniest things. I wonder if coaches are going to start wearing masks a little bit more, even after COVID, because you want to know what all these years, remember everybody with the play sheet over the face and trying everything now? Well, why don't you just wear a gator? This way nobody's going to read your lips. I mean, it could be something simple that people actually revert to. But I think the thing with him is consistency. And it goes from him to Barry. It goes to Paul Podesta. When they all speak, it's all uniform. It's all the same. Nothing's too high. Nothing's too low. We try to win on Sunday. We try to win on Sunday. We try to go one and oh. This is the same rhetoric we get week in, week out. And it's so refreshing to hear as opposed to somebody trying to, you know, hopefully somebody makes a T-shirt type of stuff, which has been the case around here for a long time. Right, no doubt about that. Talking right now with Jeff Lloyd, host of Locked On Browns here on uh, the Locked On NFL Podcast Network and uh, talking all things uh, Browns and Raiders as they prepare to play each other this Sunday. It's crossover Thursday. And uh, one way that the Browns have been winning, man, we've been talking about Baker Mayfield. We've been talking about the wide receiving core. But how about the run game, man? For for most of the season, I've been saying they got the best running core, running backs in the league, man. That running back core is really, really good. What makes them tick, man? What makes them go? What makes them 
so dominating. It's like it doesn't really matter which one gets into the game. You're going to see them go out there and perform at a high level. And uh, that offensive line just looks like they love to block downhill. And, and uh, well, those running backs are the, are the beneficiaries of that. Um, it is actually funny because we really felt that the offensive line was going to be good. But once, you know, the whole COVID and everything started, it was like, well, when will they actually start to gel? Right. It pretty much that that came without much of an issue. Um, and it's pretty funny to say that Wyatt Teller, um, who the Browns traded for last year, um, you know, you know, late in the summer, um, and didn't get to play till about week eight or week nine, was was and is the Browns' best offensive lineman at this point. Um, you knew when you signed Jack Conklin, you were investing in an offensive tackle. You thought he was going to be good, and he has been. You drafted Jedrick Wills at 10. You figured, you know, maybe there'd be some bumps in the road. He's played better than that. You'd already had Batonio. You already had Shredder. Great players. White Teller um, <laughs> just been the best of this bunch. And, look, they're blowing people off the ball. There's no way around it. And part of Baker's success on Sunday, and I will not deny it, is the fact there was nobody near him. Right. I mean, you know, and he was quick with getting the ball out. But, I mean, literally, he could have made a sandwich ate half of it, thrown the ball, finished the other half. I mean, that's literally how, you know, free he was in the pocket on Sunday. But Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, just Nick's thick. He's fast. And when you're running this wide zone and you're creating cutback lanes, if you're a linebacker and you're strafing down, you don't want to deal with Nick Chubb in a cutback lane because right. you want to know what? You put your arm out there at 230 pounds, you might lose your arm because that's how fast he's running and that's how big he is. Kareem, I think the biggest thing with Kareem is when he's on the field, defenses don't know what's coming because he is so good as a receiver. You can't just say, oh, all right, they're probably going to run the wide zone here because they will do anything. And the next thing you know, he's in the backfield. And guess what? He's split out wide. So now everybody's scrambling. And it won't be this week. It, hopefully it should be after the bye when Nick Chubb comes back. And they've definitely, you know, hurting a little bit, losing you know, Nick Chubb and, you know, just having Kareem Hunt, we thought after the Dallas game, maybe we see a little bit more of Dearness Johnson. Maybe that's more of a state, statement about, you know, where Dallas is at right now. And he really just hasn't gotten the opportunity, but maybe that was partly because last week, you know, they were in a shootout with Cincinnati. So they really didn't have the opportunity to run the ball like they wanted to. Um, but these two guys together, and you're talking about, you know, Kareem Hunt obviously led the NFL in rushing in 2017, was on pace to do it in 2018. Uh, Nick Chubb lost the 2019 rushing title on the final Sunday. I mean, you're talking about two guys that could easily put up 15, 1600 yards themselves, right? But combined, but when they get on the field, it is it gives them the ability to close out games. It's just a fun, fun duo. They're certainly diverse. You know, Kareem is more like the guy you wouldn't want to have to chase after if you were playing tag, whereas Nick is never the guy you want to meet in the hole. Looking at the Browns defensively, Miles Garrett obviously is going to get most of the attention. He's the guy everyone talks about. You mentioned earlier in the show, nine uh, sacks. The Raiders only have seven sacks as a team, but Miles Garrett is the dude. Uh, stud when he was at AM, he's a stud now. I mean, he just he just is that guy. But as far as the defensive line goes and the other guys getting after the quarterback, the other guys that are pushing the pocket, who is is the guy that nobody's really talking about? Um, I think Sheldon Richardson's played well. Um, it was weird. Porter Gustin was giving some quality reps earlier in the season and now Olivia Vernon's healthy Adrian Claiborne's healthy seems like they got away from Port Augustine which really seems weird to me because if you really want to go you know athlete for athlete as far as like you know how athletic can you get the only match you've got on the defensive line for Miles Garrett is Port Augustine the guy was a freak at USC um it was obviously an odd journey the way his career ended at USC in his beginning days in the NFL 
Um, I'd love to see more of him. Only played three snaps last week. Um, but Larry Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett, I mean, and sorry, Sheldon Richardson, they're just like a fun duo. Because normally you don't have like two athletic guys, felter guys in the middle. Normally you have your 330-pound D tackle, you know, and then you have your other guy who's quicker, you know, busting in the holes or whatever. But these guys do it and they do it well. Um, and but uh, to be honest, though, over the last couple of weeks, it's really just been Miles Garrett. Okay. And this is, you know, and everybody, you know, oh, the safety position, oh, the linebacker position. No, win it up front. I mean, you know, if the Browns were to make a move, if they could get another pass rusher in here, I'd be all over that because look, eventually, and you know, Miles Garrett, look, I mean, Cincinnati threw the kitchen sink at him and they lost, you know, a bunch of linemen during that game. So literally they had second string left tackle. And so the running back tight ends, everybody's trying to chip on Miles Garrett. Oh, he's just a special talent. There's no way around it. And for him to be getting defensive player of the year talk, and a lot of time this exists when your team is kind of good. Like if you're one in five, that's great that you're really playing well, but right. you don't really get in line for these type of accolades. Um, but where this team is at right now, and obviously what Miles went through last year, um, he's it, it's just – it's just tremendous to see because you know anytime an offensive coaching staff sits down and they're playing the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, the first point of any meeting is how does 95 not kill us this week? And now you're talking about all these sacks in a row, all these strip sacks. Um, so you know all these coaches are like, well, we literally tried to say how can 95 not kill us? And guess what? 95 killed him. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned the strip sacks because that's something Derek Carr has been a victim of uh, quite a bit. He's fumbled the ball a lot when, uh, you know, he gets a lot of pass rush around him. So that's going to obviously be an area to pay attention to. Uh, Miles Garrett is a master when it comes to the strip sack. Uh, really admire what he's able to do. Uh, Cleveland definitely got a good one there. Uh, if you had a weakness, if you thought that there was a weakness on, the, on that Cleveland defense, you mentioned getting another pass rusher, but if there's like a weakness that you think maybe the Raiders, who has a really good offense, can try to exploit it where would you think that you would find that that weakness at tackling josh jacobs getting to the second level um i'll tell you right now uh jalen richard scares the living daylights out of me if this game and i think we both kind of think maybe there'll be a shootout to this um so where you may be talking about jalen richard is going to get seven eight nine ten targets and he catches those six yard hitches and then all of a sudden he's juke like the the open field tackling is not there and it is the likes of B.J. Goodson. It is the likes of Andrew Sandejo. Um, and it's, look, I mean, first couple of weeks and no preseason, like, it's okay to say, hey, this is an issue. These are a couple of problems. Look, man, it's week eight now, man. We right. can't be using these excuses anymore. You know, you cannot let these five, six-yard completions turn out to be 12 and 13-yard gains. And that's some things that, that have been really, really an issue. And this is going back since week one. They need to tackle better. Granted, they're playing some personnel they don't truly want to be playing. But look, it doesn't matter. You're getting paid, man. Your job is to tackle people. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Fundamental sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's as simple as that. Just fundamental tackling. Uh, believe me, the Raiders uh, struggle with that as well. Last week against Tampa Bay, gave up a third and 13. Just didn't come up and make the tackle. They were down there playing the sticks. They were playing a little bit too far back, but just didn't come up and make the tackle. And again, you're getting off the field there, and they didn't get off the field. And well, it all the wheels fell off the, the train then. Uh, but a couple guys that, well, at least one guy in particular that Raider Nation is very familiar with is playing on the back end of that uh, Browns defense. That's Carl Joseph. What have you seen from Carl Joseph who comes over from the Raiders? He's on that one-year deal. Uh, what have you seen from him? It's been it's been a mixed bag, honestly. Um, right. You know, they 
obviously drafted Grant Delpit. They had Sheldrick Redwine in-house. Um, you signed Sandejo Joseph to similar deals. Um, then Delpit goes down. They bring make the trade for Ronnie Harrison. Um, it, Carl, you know, had a couple turnovers against um, the Redskins. I think the thing is they don't know exactly where to play Carl Joseph right now. Mm -hmm. And I think because without Grant Delpit, it's weird that they had so much invested in the second round pick at the safety position. And they did because, I mean, they still talk about Grant Delpit and the poor kid's been gone for two months now. Um, I think they would like to play Carl Joseph closer to the line of scrimmage. The problem is, is they have serious issues at deep safety. They don't still seven games in don't know how to handle that now. I think they think Ronnie Harrison can do some of that. I think they have some faith in Sheldrick Redwine to do that. But the problem is they're not trusting any of these younger guys with the calls, which is why Sandeo is playing more, and he's playing deep free safety, and it's not going very well. <laughs> to, to put it mildly, it's right. not going very well. But he's out there because he knows the scheme, knows the players, knows the calls. It, the safety position is a mixed bag of nuts. And, nuts. and um, where Carl Joseph is right now, what do you think when you're on a one-year contract? I know. Have you done enough to where the Browns would entertain going further with this? I would say, you know, we're talking incomplete at this point. We haven't seen enough of him, and we haven't seen enough of him playing where he should be more comfortable just because most of it is need. And, you know, it's a disservice to the player, obviously, because um, I'm sure they had a, you know, a more role for him to blow things up closer to the line of scrimmage. But you just got to do what you got to do sometimes. But um, for Carl Joseph right now, it's been kind of a tough year. Yeah, and you know, honestly, that's kind of how it ended with the Raiders as well. Uh, good kid. It's, just, it's exactly the same story. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You like him we as love a guy. The guy when he played. Exactly, love him as a player. Just kind of realized that he didn't have a major, major role, and just it's a, it's a tough fit. So when he he walked in free agency, it was not a surprise to me. And you know, to hear what he's done so far in Cleveland is not a surprise to me either. Uh, before I let you go, before we wrap this up. How is uh how is Cleveland when it comes to covering the tight end? I mentioned before Darren Waller is a big time weapon for for uh, the Raiders. Obviously, he's like a wide receiver in a tight end's body. Uh, he's a go to guy for Derek Carr and John Gruden. How are how are Cleveland covering the the tight ends? Not very well. Um, Drew Sample from the Cincinnati Bengals had a day against them last week. Obviously, not a great player. Um, it's it, 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 Waller's certainly going to be an issue. And where I was getting to earlier, where it was talking about earlier with tackling. That is where you are concerned about Darren Waller. Um, the first things first, I don't think the Browns have a linebacker that's athletic enough to run with him. So now you're talking about maybe is it going to be Ronnie Harrison? And that seems to be a huge, huge question as well. Um, look, Darren Waller is probably the one. And as far as, you know, rugs on those nine routes, those are the two biggest concerns I have about this defense. Should be interesting. Should be a fun game, really. Looking forward to it. Uh, Cleveland and the Raiders. It's a it's an early kickoff for the Raiders, but uh, that's okay. I mean, they'll travel to Cleveland to the dog pound and check it out. It should be a fun one. It's going to be a cold one. Uh, that should be interesting as well. But uh, uh, I look forward to the game, my man, and I'm sure you look forward to it as well. Oh, absolutely, Hugh. You know this. And look, I mean, for, you know, and for us, for all the work we do and, you know, to finally, you know, starting to see where these franchises are headed and, you know, finally seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, look, I mean, we do this anyway, right. um, but it, it certainly makes it a little bit easier to go ahead and fire up and hit that record button when you know these teams are playing a little bit more capable of where they should be.